I'm not going to preach on Christmas, all right? I'm just going to preach on something I just feel in my heart to preach. Is that all right? Now, I'm going to be easy on y'all, because the last six weeks, we've been dealing with some hard stuff. Can I hear an amen? And so, if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, then you've missed out on the sermon series. So the last six weeks, we've been dealing with living in Babylon. We ended the sermon series last week. And so today, I'm just going to deal with some, you know, I, I, I deal with sermons like food, you know. The last six weeks was meaty. That was steak and potatoes. This morning, I'm just going to roll out the pumpkin pie, and we're just going to have some dessert. Is that all right? Can somebody say amen? So it ain't going to be something deep. So if you're looking for something deep, I did that last week. All right, so today we're just going to have something light from the Word of God. I, I believe all of it's deep and good, but uh, you get my point this morning. Let's look at the book of Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 30. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 30, and the scripture will be behind me on the screen. Mark 6 verse 30, then the apostles gathered together to Jesus and told him all the things both they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many that were coming and going and didn't even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place by boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran on foot from all of the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding countries and villages and buy them something to eat. Buy them some bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, Well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them that they would sit down in groups on green grass. So they all sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed it and broke the loaves, gave it to his disciples and set it before them, and two fish he divided them among them all. And so they ate, and they were all filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Um, this morning I, I have a thought, are we there yet? Would you say that? Are we there yet? Look to your neighbor and say, are you there yet? Lord, add your blessing to the preaching of the word. Let it go forth in power and in boldness. And everyone said a great big amen. You know, when growing up, when I was sitting in the back seat of the car and we were going on a long journey, I had a tendency to ask my parents or my grandparents, are we there yet? And sometimes I was like a broken record. Are we there yet? And the answer was the same. No, you just sit back there and you give your pappy some rest. <laughs> so I just sat back there and, 
And a few minutes later, I would say, are we there yet? And I think that that tendency, are we there yet? I think that tendency has bled over into our spiritual life, if you really think about it. It seems as though in our spiritual life, we're more focused on getting somewhere than we are learning along the way. We are so focused on what I call destination disease. And I've heard, I've said that term multiple times in my sermon, but I think it's probably the best term that I could use to describe the idea that I'm trying to describe to you this morning. We are so obsessed in getting there. Now, I don't know what there is. You know, as Pentecostals, we're always talking about the next season, the next blessing. Whatever that is, it seems as though if we're not careful, we get obsessed with trying to get there. Now, you have to fill in the blank. Whatever that means, whatever there means to you, you got to fill that blank in. But there are times that we become so obsessed with it that I don't think that we're actually learning along the way. Have you ever noticed that whenever you get there, you have a tendency to talk about how you got there? So I think that in our spiritual life, I think that we need to be more concerned about what we learn along the way instead of us trying to get somewhere. Because I believe that God's sanctifying power, God's working power works in us as we stay on the path. Sometimes, my friends, the plan don't work. The path works. The plan don't always work. But you got to stay on the path. And it's not always about getting there. It's about learning as you go along the way. It's like the children of Israel. They had a promise, but they forgot that the, the process. And sometimes we're so eager to get to the promise that we're not allowing God to work in us and work out of us some of the things that need to be worked out of us because we're in a hurry to get to the promise. God's perfect will is that God works in you and through you as you walk along the path, as you are obedient in the path. My friends, there are some things that you can't pray away. There are some things that you can't pray out of your life. You got to be obedient. You got to learn to walk the path of obedience. And that's what it means to follow Jesus, is walking in obedience. It is not the place that you hope to be that's most important. It's not the thing that you are praying for that's most important. It's not the breakthrough that you're waiting that's so important. But the thing that's most important is the thing that happens in you along the way as you journey in this Christian life. And when you get there, you usually talk about how you got there. So it's about learning along the way. And in this text this morning, in Mark chapter 6, the disciples were always in a hurry. And you could hear it in the narrative. Lord, should we go ahead and buy some bread? Should we go ahead and send these people to a neighboring village? They were always in a hurry. They were always trying to find a quick solution. And the Holy Spirit is working in this story because the Lord is trying to demonstrate a principle to the disciples. Let's not get in a hurry. Let's see what God wants to do. 
God wants to perform the miraculous in your sight. So let's not send the people away so quickly. And isn't that like us? We're such in a hurry. We're always trying to find the solution to every problem. Instead of walking the path patiently and walking in obedience. And as a pastor, I see this all the time. People's always in a hurry to get somewhere, even in their spiritual life. And so many times I want to ask people, what, what do you want? What, what, what do you want? We're always waiting for the next move of God. And we're always waiting for something spectacular to happen. The reason the tabernacle was built in the wilderness, because the wilderness was an even plain. Your Christian life is about stability, It's about serving God even when you don't experience the miraculous, even when things don't work out. It's about remaining stable in the wilderness. Can I hear an amen? Now, what I want you to see, and I've read this passage over and over, but this really stuck out to me. And it's that one verse in chapter six, look at verse 30, 31, and 32. Actually, it's it's one verse, but it's composed of, of, look at the context here. Verse number 30, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Then the apostles gathered together Jesus, uh, and then they told him all the things that had been done and what they'd been taught. Verse 31, Jesus says to them, come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. So the very first thing you see in this narrative is that Jesus calls the disciples to a deserted place. And the Bible says that they were so busy, they were coming and going, that they didn't even have time to eat. They were very, very busy. And Jesus says, listen, stop what you're doing and come with me to a deserted place. Come with me to an isolated place. And my friends, I really want you to stop and reflect on this scripture this morning. Jesus said in the hustle and bustle, I want you to stop and I want you to come with me to a deserted place. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse number 33, Mark 6 verse 33, but the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and they ran on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. So these people were in a hurry. But Jesus said to his disciples, listen, before you have access to the people of God, I need to be with you for a few moments. Get in this boat and come with me to a deserted place. And my friends, that's what I want you to see in this text. They were busy. They didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus is saying, listen, come with me, get in the boat and come with me to a deserted place. We are entering into the holiday season. We are in the holiday season. And if we're not careful, we can get so in the middle of the hustle and the bustle and the stress and the burden of the season, which is not meant to be a burden, that we forget the most important thing, and that is Jesus. That is coming along with Jesus. Getting out of the hustle and bustle. Getting in the boat with Jesus. Jesus' call is this. Come with me to a deserted place. And what did he say? In verse number 31, I want you to rest a while. I want you to come with me and I want you to rest a while. Now, there are two things I want you to see 
in particular about this, this scripture. And that is solitude versus loneliness. You know, loneliness is an internal feeling that some people feel. It's an internal feeling of unwantedness. That is what loneliness is. You can be in a group of people and still be lonely. You can be very active socially and still feel lonely because loneliness is an internal feeling of unwantedness. You don't feel wanted. You feel empty. And it doesn't matter how many social events you go to or how many groups you may be in or how many church services you go to. Loneliness has nothing to do with external circumstances. Loneliness has something to do with what happens on the inside. But solitude is the opposite of loneliness. Solitude is alone time spent with God. It is time that we spend with God in reflection and self-awareness. Solitude is the call of Jesus. Solitude is when Jesus calls you out of the busyness and brings you along to the boat so that you can rest a while. And sometimes we get confused with solitude versus loneliness. Yes, loneliness is very, very, uh, it is a problem in America and it has gripped a lot of people. In matter of fact, a few years ago, there was a study done between the years 2018 and 2019 and the United States indicated that 61% of the American population suffers from loneliness. That means three in five adults say they are very, very lonely. They further asked the question, why is people so lonely? And their response was this, we are lonely because we desire to be loved and affirmed. And some of these people were not feeling loved and affirmed by people. So they felt lonely. Loneliness is an internal feeling of feeling unwanted. But solitude is being alone, but it's a time that's directed by God where God calls you out of the busyness and you're really not alone, you're with God. It, it is the call of Jesus. It, it, solitude is being alone by choice. I make a decision that I'm going to be alone by choice. Nobody's directed me to do this. Nobody's pulling my arm. This is a free choice that I feel directed by the Spirit to be alone so that I could reflect on my life and that I could have self-awareness of what the Lord wants to do in my life. Sometimes we are so busy working in life that we don't work on our life. And I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we're so busy working in life that we don't work on our life. And sometimes we need to take some time, which is called solitude, make a choice that I'm going to be by myself and spend time with Christ because in essence, I'm really not by myself. We're facing loneliness. Loneliness is an epidemic. And could it be... Could it be, my friends, that so many people are lonely because they are seeking love and affirmation from people that they never get? Could it be that the Lord is calling us, listen, I can only feel that void in your life. There are some things that only Christ can do. There's only, let's, let me tell you something, my friends, and, and I'm not going into deep details, but... Lord, I, 
I have, and the Lord knows my heart, I'm saying this with, with honesty and I'm saying this with genuineness and I'm not saying this to be boastful or proud. God knows my heart. I've, I, I don't want any pride, arrogance, and self-will in my life. But I'm telling you, I have fallen in love with Jesus because the secret of my love for God is not dependent upon whether you think I preach good or whether you even come to church. I have found the secret place in the prayer closet. And I feel like that whether you say amen or not doesn't really matter. Before my black shoes ever touched the pulpit, I've already been with God and heard from God and already heard his approval on my life. Do you see what I'm saying? And when you approve of it, that, that's just cherry on top. But whether it comes or not, it's okay because there's something about making a choice, being alone, solitude, not running after trying to be affirmed by everybody. Listen, we all want to be affirmed and we all want to be loved. It is the cry of all of our hearts. And God put it there. But sometimes it just don't work the way we think it works. Sometimes we're more disappointed and Jesus, in this narrative, is calling his disciples to a boat. Come with me. Get on the boat. Come with me to a deserted place. I want you to rest a while. Why did Jesus say that? Because the next verse says, many people started running on foot, chasing, running after him. Listen, my friends. The crowd will always chase after you. There's always going to be demands. There's always going to be somebody that needs your time. There's always going to be somebody there to run after you and needs you and wants you. And if you don't rest a while in the boat, you're going to get depleted. And then you're going to get out of the boat and you're going to be frustrated with everybody. And what happens is we get, we're not resting spiritually. We haven't spent time with God. We're, we haven't come along with him in the boat to rest a while. And because of that, we get frustrated with the crowd. We get out of the boat and we get a whip and we start whipping them all, you know? But what happens is they got out of the boat and Jesus was moved with compassion. Because these people were like sheep without a shepherd. That's what happens when you rest a while in the boat. That's what happens when you are being with Jesus. Come alongside and rest a while in the boat. You see, solitude is a choice that you make to be alone with God so that you can do spiritual reflection of your life. But loneliness is an internal problem that has nothing to do with external circumstances. It's a deep desire to be loved and wanted, and sometimes it don't happen. And so therefore, people live in a state of constantly needing to be affirmed and needing to be loved, and, need, and they're always feeling unwanted by everyone. And you create stories in your mind that's not even true because of the deep desire of our hearts. And all of that's good and fine. It's good to be loved by people. It's good that somebody can pat you on the back and say, I'm praying for you. It's wonderful that somebody can come alongside of you and say, I'm with you and I'm praying for you. But my friends, what if it don't happen? What if it don't happen? Jesus Christ gives us the example that before Jesus started his earthly ministry, what happens? 
Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And the Bible says that God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Guess what? That's at the beginning of his ministry. And right after that, Jesus was called names. The Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders came against Jesus. Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Peter denied him. Nobody was at the cross but John. How in the world did Jesus survive all of that betrayal? How did Jesus survive all of the name calling from the religious leaders? Because at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he heard the father's voice. He got approval. He was affirmed. I'm telling you, when you get in the prayer closet and you make a choice to have solitude with God, you will hear his voice. And I'm telling you, that voice will carry you through every trial and temptation and obstacle of your life. My friends, just very quickly, why, do, why, is, why is solitude important? Number one, the reason we need to have solitude in our life is because number one, it prepares us. It prepares us. Look at Luke chapter four, verse number one. Luke chapter four, verse number one. Solitude will prepare us, right? The Bible says that Jesus was being filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he, he was returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus was all alone in the wilderness. Solitude by himself, communion with God. And then what happens? The Bible says in verse 14, when Jesus came out of the wilderness by himself, the Bible says he returned in the power of the spirit and news about him went throughout all of the surrounding region. I'm telling you, if you want power in your life, it starts with solitude. Jesus was by himself in the wilderness. He made a choice to commune with God. And then when he came out of the wilderness, he was full of power. Power don't happen because somebody lays hands on you. Power happens because you've decided to commune with God in solitude in the wilderness. Number one, prepare. He was prepared for ministry. Number two, why do I need solitude? Well, you need solitude to recharge. Sometimes you're, you're tired. Sometimes everybody gets on your nerves. Sometimes you just need to get away. Can I hear an Amen. My wife told me the other day, she said, can I just go to the bathroom in peace? Can, can you just watch the baby? Because every day, she, I love my baby. Can I just, can I go to the bathroom in peace? I said, honey, just go to the bathroom, shut the door and be in peace. I'll take care of the baby. Sometimes you just need to recharge. Everybody say, I, that's true. Now, recharging means different for many people. I like just to put PJs on, sit on the couch, and just eat. That's recharging for me. You don't have to take me to the movies. I don't got to go to Silver Dollar City. I could just sit on the couch and watch Cold Case Files and eat my Fruit Loops and I am happy. That's, that's recharging for me. But for you, recharging could be going out to eat with somebody. It could be going to amusement park. Those things are good and fine, but you're going to have to find something to recharge. And in this holiday season, you're going to have to make a decision, whether it's a few hours, whether it's 24 hours, you've got to make a decision to recharge. I have become better at this. 
I used to never take a day off, but every Friday's is my day off now. I spend it with the family. I try not to be on the phone. And listen, it's made a difference in my life when I make a decision that having a day off is pleasing to the Lord. So recharge, and this is found in Mark chapter six, because they were involved in ministry. They were getting ready to feed 5,000 people. And what happens? Jesus calls them to be on the boat. Come and rest a while. Come to a deserted place. Because why do I need solitude? I need it to prepare and I need it to recharge. And number three, I need solitude because I need to work through grief. Sometimes, my friends, there's lots of things that happens in our life that we don't understand. There are some things that happens in our life that makes us scratch our heads. It makes us walk through the dark soul of the night that we don't have the answers for. And you can't just get up and act like it didn't happen. Well, I'm just going to go back to work. And that's what people do. They, work, they try to work their way out of grief. They try to close up and not have conversations about it. That's not healthy. Solitude is important because it helps us to work through grief. Sometimes you've got to make a decision to be alone with God. And make a decision that I'm going to be alone with God and come to terms with what God is doing or wants to do or has done. It's a place of the garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus was alone and he wrestled with his will. Because that's what happens in solitude. You've got to wrestle through it. And that's what Jesus did. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And, and we don't have to, uh, Matthew chapter 14, we don't have to read the whole uh, text because it's so long. But let me just tell you what it says. Matthew chapter 14 verse 1. And I, I, you can see here, the whole chapter is about the beheading of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He was getting ready to die. King Herod had him beheaded. And what happens in this scripture is so very important because Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 13, look what Jesus did when he heard about the beheading of his cousin. The Bible says in Matthew 14 verse 13, are you there? It says this, and when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by a boat to a deserted place by himself. When he heard that John the Baptist was beheaded, he got in a boat. It was by himself. When was the last time that you made a decision to be by yourself? Do you always have to have the cell phone on and the phone on and the, and the, and the radio on and the TV on? Are we so tormented that we can't be by ourselves? Is the voices in our head so bad that we can't be quiet for a moment? Jesus said, I, my brother, my cousin John was beheaded and I, I have to be by myself. Number four, why is solitude important is because sometimes you make decisions. Sometimes you make important decisions and you need to be by yourself. It's a choice. 
I, I don't need love and affirmation, so to speak. I, I need to hear the voice of God. I'm making a choice for solitude. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, look what the scripture says. Now it came to pass those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer. Jesus was by himself praying all night. And the Bible says that the next few verses he called his disciples to himself. So when Jesus was getting ready to make an important decision, he spent all night in prayer. He was by himself. That's why solitude is important. Number five, solitude's important because sometimes we're in distress. Sometimes we're upset. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Right before Jesus was arrested, the Bible says he goes to the Mount of Olives. Look at what the Bible says, Luke 22, verse 39. Luke 22, verse 39. The Bible says he's coming out. He went to the Mount of Olives. And as his custom was, his disciples followed him. Verse number 40. I want you to pay attention to what the scripture says here. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray. You may not enter into temptation. Verse 41. The Bible says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down to pray. In other words, he distanced himself from his disciples. He removed himself from them, and he prayed by himself. Jesus was getting ready to be crucified. His disciples were praying. They fell asleep. Jesus got up and moved from them and prayed by himself. Number six, why do I need solitude? Well, you need solitude just to pray. Sometimes you yourself just need to be with God. Luke 5.16 reminds us, Luke 5.16, that Jesus withdrew into the wilderness. And what did he do? He, he prayed by himself. There is something about being alone. There's something about reflection. There's something about God does something in your heart. And as I was reading, in closing, I never saw this before. This whole, this whole text about Jesus calling his disciples to pray, or excuse me, calling them into the boat to a deserted place. I want you to see what happens, okay? And we don't have all morning to deal with this, but I do want to pinpoint something that I find very interesting. Go to Mark 6, go back to the text, and I want to point out something to you. Verse number 30, Mark 6, verse 30. Mark 6, verse 30, go back to the text. Now you see the scripture I just read to you. The Bible says in verse number 31, Jesus calls them by your, themselves to a deserted place. Some translation says a desert place. And calls them to rest a while. Get into the boat with me. Come be with me. Because I believe that before God ever elevates somebody, there's isolation first. There's isolation before elevation. Say that with me. Isolation before elevation. These disciples were getting ready to cooperate with Jesus to perform a miracle for 5,000 people. So Jesus was preparing these disciples. They're in the boat with him. They're resting a while. And this is what I want you to see that I think is really interesting. Obviously, there is a problem. They don't have enough food to feed these people. 
And Jesus, look at it, verse here. Look, look very quickly. Look at verse number 35. When the day was now far spent, the disciples came to him, said, well, this is a deserted place. The hour's already late. And what does the disciples say? Well, send them away. Just send them away to the next town, to the next village. Let them buy themselves something to eat. For we have nothing to eat. We have nothing to give these people to eat. Send them away. But look at verse 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And then they said to him, well, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And Jesus says, well, this is the solution. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Now let's stop here. The problem was they don't have food to feed all these people. There's thousands of people on the Judean hillside in the Palestinian sun. These people are hungry. The disciples were like, let's just send them away. It's already late. Jesus is like, well, what do you have to feed them? They're like, well, all we have is some fish and bread. All we have, all we have is fish and uh, five and two fish, they said. Now, according to the book of John, that was a little boy's lunch. So you put the two synoptic gospels together and you can see that they found the little boy's lunch in the crowd. So Jesus' solution was this. What do you have to feed these people? And they said, five and two fish. And then he commanded them that they would all sit down in green grass. And they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. So this is what I want you to see. If you will be intentional about solitude with God, this is my point. You will discover that you have more to be thankful for. This is what you see. Verse number 38. Verse number 38. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. How many loaves do you have? Everybody say that with me. How many loaves? So did Jesus ask for fish? No. He asked how many? Then they came back and what was their response? Five and two fish. Jesus said, how much bread do you have? The disciples came back and said, well, we have bread and fish. So my point is this, when you are intentional about spending time with God in solitude, you will discover that not only do you have bread, but you also have fish. In other words, it's what I call the and blessing. You have mercy and you have grace. Somebody say amen. You have, you have joy and you have strength. He healed me and he blessed me. What I'm trying to tell you is that when you spend time with God, you will discover the and principle. Not only do you have bread, but you have fish as well. He healed me and he blessed me. He provided for me and sustained me. He protected me and guided me. He brought me out and picked me up. He saved me and delivered me. You find out the and blessing. Sometimes if you don't spend time with God, all you see is the bread. When you spend time with God, you'll start to see, oh, I got bread and fish. 
Then God said, I want them to sit down in groups of 50 and 100. And I want them to sit down. This is my favorite scripture, 39. I want them to sit down, verse 39, Mark 6, 39. Mark 6, 39. He says, I want them to sit down in groups of 150, put them on green grass. Why did the scripture say green grass? It's a deserted place. One translation says it's a desert place. But now there's green grass for these people to sit on. I'm just inferring this on the text. That when you spend time with God, He will cause green grass to grow in your deserted places of your life. When you spend time with God, He will cause green grass to grow in places that was a desert. When you come along with him, you'll find there's green grass in your desert place. You'll find that there's more to be thankful for than you could ever dream when you come along and spend time with him in a solitude place of prayer. And may the Lord add the blessing to the preaching of the word and the hearing of the word and God's people said,